0: Hello everyone, I am Brennan Sahajan, and I tend bar at Washington State's best beer bar, the Manito Tap House. I decided to make a podcast because the regular customers who come in are the most eclectic group of people I have ever met. And I want all of you to know the perspective and stories from the people from my bar. On the podcast today, I have a great conversation with a man who has put so much of his life into his craft and has made an empire from amazing brand marketing and determination. He is clearly grounded in family values and hard work, truly believing if you work hard enough, you can accomplish anything. He is a beloved regular at the Manitou Tap House, and is the owner of Spokane's by far most popular brewery out of dozens of breweries here, the owner and resurrector of No Lie Brewing Company. Please enjoy this heartfelt time we had.
1: John Bryant. Like you, you know, the old days you would eat what was in your, what you canned all winter long, which is what you grew in your yard, which was what was able to grow, you know? Craft brewing is real similar.
0: Yeah, totally. Well... I'm. Yeah. I'm recording. Now. Oh, we're live. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody. So, well, I. So this is. I, it's not live. So we can. If if things go wrong, we can <laughs> they go wrong. It, it goes horribly it wrong. Go back. <laughs> you know. I mean, things go horribly wrong. Well, I mean, one of my questions is. Yeah. You know, it potentially could be like incriminating, and yeah. I decided with one of the people. I don't think we're gonna have that on there, and I. took Okay. Off. But anyway. So first and foremost, what I want to say, John, is thank you so much for yeah. the time. I appreciate it, and I know that time is valuable. So it's fun. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, and we are in the brewery. Are these so noses too loud. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, right. it'll pick up, but that's okay. Okay. It, we're just letting everybody know that we're here, and it's okay. This is raw. Let's do it. So, um, yeah. So I uh, I go off of these same questions, which I I told you about the questions, but I didn't tell you what they were. Yeah. So. The first question is, it's a biggie, and it really could take a long okay if you want it to or not, but it is, uh, who are you, and what led you to be this person? Holy cow, well, yeah. so it's what, about nine
1: o'clock, Tuesday, July 8th, in uh, Spokane at No Library House. I
0: think it's Thursday, but... It's Thursday. See, that tells you who I am. I'm tired, right?
1: <laughs> it was a long week with uh, electrical outage, gas outage, Comcast blackout, you know, it's uh, and right around the uh, holiday. So, who, who am I? Um, very much forged by kind of a, a blue-collar background. Yeah. Um, a resourcefulness, caring community. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a young lad, um, my grandmother, who was really ran the household of a couple of generations, kind of told me life stories early in the morning. I learned to get up early, and she'd have her little cans of Tab, little oh, pink yeah. little can. Oh, yeah. Smoking packs of Red Pack Pall Malls. Old All school, balls. and she would tell the stories of um, you know them. And if I get start boring, you just tell me. But they would during the Dust Bowl. None of this is. Um, she was 16, 17. My grandpa was seventeen or eighteen. Mm-hmm. They had a one-year-old. My dad um, living in a makeshift, borrowed place in the middle of South Dakota during the Dust Bowl, thirties Depression. Yeah. Right. And my grandpa just couldn't provide for him because, you know, it was farming. It was just Mm -hmm. shut down. Dust Bowl. They hitched a ride. Hitched a ride from the middle of South Dakota um, to what is kind of the area like Mossy Rock, um, Toledo area. It's called Vader. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy dropped them off. They got a tent. And they lived on a high school football field for a while no kidding and the reason they went there was some other family basically immigrated from the midwest to the pacific northwest because it was subsistence living survival you could hunt you could fish you could grow a garden and you could live and that sounds so weird today but in the 30s during the depression and the dust bowl that was a big deal yeah i bet and so my grandpa was employed by the ccc the civilian conservation corps Mm. but there were so few jobs and so many people unemployed he actually split a job with a guy Okay. and they would share the hours so they both could make money just to put any kind of food or whatever on the table.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'd hear all these stories growing up, and my dad was a teacher. There was five kids. My mom was a waitress, so they were always gone. Dad had three jobs, you know, but they, they never gave up. And um, the thing they always instilled in me was um, my grandma and grandpa, you know, you get to tear up here, but the food bank provided them, and my grandma would say, things of peanut butter, this is the recession. She talked about, you know, big bricks of cheese, mm-hmm. um, some types of bread. Yeah. You know, it wasn't necessarily loaves and um, cheese, peanut butter and bread. So they'd make sandwiches, you had proteins, you had whatever. And that's I think I think that's how peanut butter got going was really during the Depression. That was a way to get um, nutrition to the society. But it it was so resolved that they just taught hope. And as dark as things can get for all of us, we try to teach it. No, I just the culture of hope awesome right because we're all broken in some way we're all flawed we all have water but if you have hope man you can teach that to your kids and that next generation they may not be richer and who cares but they can have hope and more hope and that's happiness yeah right that's what drives NOLA that's what drives my family that's just a little insight and my you know my wife's family immigrated to Spokane in 1917 and um, from kind of the Naples area Mm -hmm. super poor that's how they half came through Ellis Island and half came I think it's Quebec Uh, up in or somewhere up in canada it was very common back in 1917 and somehow a lot of italians made it to spokane for whatever reason i'm sure there's reasons for it but you know penticton and cologne and trail on the canadian uh, there's a bunch of canadians old school canadians and um, up here uh, they worked i think on the railroads a lot of produce anyway he pushed a produce cart downtown so my wife's family's got a real blue collar upgrade and that's how we both when this business or you know being married 30 some years Mm -hmm. you know you fall back on hope you fall back on that blue collar um, foundation um, and caring i mean not to be too cheesy but we truly care about people we truly care about our community is our brewery you know my parents would say you know charity starts at home first with family and then you outreach so we're always trying to be really aware of how how are our people doing right right and then how's our community doing and how am i doing right can i stay healthy enough and can we create any kind of financial wealth that we can invest and then share and then grow? Yeah, totally. And so it's pretty simple. Uh, Family values. Yeah, it's old school, but it doesn't mean it's Archie Bunker old school. Cause my yeah. grandma ran my house and they've always before their time, because when, if you're super, super poor and you are relying on everybody else to survive you're not too picky on who it is sometimes so in that it teaches you not just tolerance but acceptance before it was even there because you you were just you're with somebody surviving together a lot of other ethnicities or all the other things that are real don't really cloud your day because you're just trying to survive yeah that's your person in the foxhole with you and so that was taught to me at a very young age too and it's actually helped going through all the the strife and and um you know, all the things we've gone through over the last few years as a society that's really aware um, because it's helped me have a whole new understanding of maybe if you weren't raised that way how that could really affect you sure and so those are things I think in the brewery here we don't necessarily care like what you are like it's care what you do your behavior sure. and then that's how we measure yeah. right? all that other so stuff we, is just noise yeah
0: yeah exactly so that's probably and, more than you wanted but no no not at all uh uh-uh. oh no I appreciate all of that and actually I um I mean, so you are, I think, the third or fourth person that I have interviewed during the pandemic that's kind of shut down. Sure. Um, But with that being said, kind of like you were alluding to all of the things that have happened to us, what, I mean, what do you think that has done to you? How Um, much has that affected you, do you think?
1: It's... The pandemic is obviously horrific. Yeah. You know, we're seeing the mental illness and the effects of boxing people up and separating them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's bad. But the gift, the gem that I've found in the pandemic is we never stopped. That's and awesome. we tried to assess the risk. It's easy to say that now, but, you know, go back March of 2020, people were scared. Super you scared. get this, you could die, right? Yeah. And you still could. But we, nobody knew. You touch it. Remember people like... If your food's delivered to you, go to the store, wipe it off. You know, they wash your hands. And, you know, it, it was crazy. Nobody knew, and then yeah. it creates kind of hysteria. Mm-hmm. And then you separate people, and you you're, you're fed communication maybe from a couple of TV channels and the newspaper, and it's and that can be very scary. You're
0: and it me, was scary. It was bizarre.
1: So we met as all our company, and we just said, we're sticking it out. We're going. There's a job here if you want it. We're not closing. We're going to run this pub through whatever phase. You know, it was growlers yeah. to go and food to go. Yeah. Um, If you feel unsafe, you can go home. If you want to stay here and stay engaged, there's a place for you. And because beer was deemed essential, the production never went down. We have two breweries. Hallelujah. Yeah. We have two 30-barrel brew houses. So what we decided to do is the music kind of slowed, right? Because it was real quiet days. We invested every buck we had into R&D, innovation, new equipment, and pivoting. Yeah. And so everything went to grocery real fast. And so we had to pivot on how we produce beer, how we packaged it. But then we went into recipe development and uh, new hops and different types of equipment and different categories. Yeah. So staying here today after COVID and everybody staying engaged, our production team has been awesome. Yeah. And I'm proud to say that for all the knowledge that we have, this is confirmed by the regional health district. I worked really closely every week nearly during the pandemic Dr. Bob Lutz became a great—I'm uh, going to say—advocate, friend, advisor, coach, professional, because cool. we talked so much. Yeah. He wrote out ten guidelines, and we had zero traces of COVID back to the production kitchen That's floor, cool. and we were stringent as a lot of businesses were. We took cool. it very seriously. Cool. We quarantined a ton of people, like somebody had secondhand contact. I mean, we 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 did tracing ourselves. We did cool. siloing. You had to stay in your area. Of the pub or your area of production, so we could separate. So if there was a case, it only affected a few people versus the whole brewery. The gift coming out of COVID was mentally, we'd never experienced as much, or we did not experience as much of the mental part of it. If you stayed at work every day, Mm -hmm. you you kept in a routine. Yeah, not seeing experience it because we all did. The nights were dark and short in the winter, Um, but we came out of it. Now we're one of the only breweries in America that has a craft beer. You know, we have nine-year-round brands and six-pack cans covering all the many, many styles. Yeah. We're in the hard seltzer category for our third year, and we pivoted into lemonades, raspberry lemonade, huckleberry lemonade. And it was hard culturally because we didn't get into this to make alternative beverages. Right. We got in to make beer. And it, the way we've talked about it is if we can grow this category in Spokane so it doesn't all go to and White Claw, If we can create positive revenue after all the investments into people, equipment, R&D, that can fund the beer. Totally. And the people. So then we have, you know, Day Fade Hard Seltzer, Day Fade Lemonade Hard Seltzer, and then we go to craft can cocktails. So now we have a mojito, a cucumber lime mojito, 7%, alcohol, only 140 calories. It's really beautiful. Yeah. A couple grams of sugar. I mean, it's not syrupy at all. It's really clean. refreshing. And a a mojito, uh, a Moscow mule. Oh, cool. and so we're in three categories we're in the craft can cocktails the hard seltzer and the beer Dang. covid allowed us some time to do that yeah i, I so, mean what a silver lining on a very dark cloud try to find awesome. it awesome remodel the entire pub to fit the governor's ordinances of yeah. you know no more than five people at a table right and, we, and then we took food off the patio um for a lot of reasons and now it's a big beer garden that just celebrates craft beer made right here yeah. and it's been beautiful because we're on the river yeah. it's a beautiful spot and now more people get to enjoy coming in, having pints and just being on the river versus table setting more formal you know yeah. we're a pub we're a hometown mm-hmm. craft brewery let's enjoy the pints on the patio and it's been
0: really a huge win yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean everyone that i talk about that that is what they say their patio is the best thing that Spokane's got. Yeah. It's been, and so COVID we remodeled that, spent time in it. We just did things to
1: keep uh, engaged.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, We all went through pain too. I mean, Oh, I know. know. Yeah. Um, well that leads into the next question really. Um, and you sort of touched on it, but let's dive in a little deeper. Where does your inspiration come from?
1: Um, it's definitely my grandmother. Yeah. Um, she she drove the family, and I can give you all these stories, because as a young kid, there's five of us in our family. Uh, Mom and dad were gone a lot, because both worked a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. So they <clears throat> they would come from Mossy Rock most weekends, and then they were they were our, I mean, kind of raised us. They were there Thursday through Sunday. yeah, you know, Just yeah. to kind of keep five kids from, you know, doing whatever we did in the country. <laughs> um, hope was a big thing, it was, but, but it was also just how she inspired my father, who was setting chokers and working in the woods. As a young kid, that's what you did in Mm -hmm. that area of southwest Washington, just to work. It's timber. Uh, She bought him this magazine or a subscription somehow to an architecture digest or some to show him um, what's outside of Mossy Rock, Washington, which is right the base of kind of St. Helens, to get him dreaming. That was Mm -hmm. a big thing. Dream what he's not that doing what he did was wrong. Just like there are other things in this bigger world that you can't see from here, right? You know, in the woods every day. And um, he was lucky that he was really fast. He was one of the fastest guys to run. It was a 100-yard dash back in the day. It was 100 meters. This is in the early 50s. And he got a scholarship to Eastern Washington College, it was called back in the 50s. Yeah. It was probably worth 300 bucks a year back in the day. Oh, yeah. But it, it, uh, it got him a change of pace and direction to be the first person ever, I think, to get a high school education in my family. No kidding, right on. Right? Ever. High school, we're not going to high school, but this is, you know, in the 50s, that was probably pretty common. And then he went to Eastern, played football, was a pulling guard, blew both his knees out in the same game. Back then, they just uh, stuck a shot in your knee of whatever, and uh, from like age 22 to he's 85 still alive, bone on bone in both knees. (coughs) That's how they did surgery They just tore everything out oh my But he got a degree And he, and he uh, was a teacher and my, and my mom got a degree there She's from Mossy Rock too Got a degree and then um, Changed our lives mm. right? But it all started from that Architectural magazine subscription yeah. That taught my dad to dream That he could actually maybe go to school wow. And there's all these how cool, cool stories that? Of culture of how scared it was To leave Mossy Rock No kidding Super scared to leave, right? He's a young kid. He's 18. He's never been out of Mossy Rock, really, mm-hmm. that he can remember, except for the Timber Towns yeah, yeah. playing high school football and stuff. <laughs> and I remember they had to talk him into raise the money around town with a coffee can, mm. and they raised enough money to put him on a train somewhere, I'm assuming probably Chehalis or Centralia, that ended up going to Pullman. They to try out at Washington State College, which is Wazoo now. Yeah. And then... I think he took the train up, jumped off in Cheney, which was just a dust bowl. In the, I mean, imagine Cheney in the fifties. <laughs> and then my grandmother had a sock. He came home and he had a scholarship, which was, again, not you know, a couple hundred bucks a year probably, but had to talk him into doing it. And that was the hope, the determination of my grandma, my grandmother, because she changed the future of my entire family by making my dad go to school. Yeah. So all these little pivotal things in our lives that change us. Um, doesn't mean he's less than or more than because he went to eastern but he i would be in the woods probably right now working somewhere around southwest washington which again isn't a lot of my family does dude, do yeah. still work yeah. in the in the industry it's just different right but it allowed us to where we moved in the peninsula where my dad taught school um skokomish um by hoodsport uh, mm-hmm. reservation there um and how i was raised differently out you know and then he moved and got a high school job at Timberline High School in Olympia. And, and then we moved in 10 miles out of Olympia in the country. And I just happened to go to school with a bunch of the kids whose parents worked on the packaging keg lines at Olympia Pro & Company wow. and a marketing guy. Oh, right on. And so one summer, sure the beard. I was finished. in fifth grade. Yeah, I was in the middle of, I, I grew up basically kind of by Shelton, which is again a timber town but we bus in to this bigger high school. But in that process, I didn't realize I was going to school with all these kids who were younger younger, like me the kids. Parents all worked at Olympia Brewing Company. Yeah. It's like an episode of Laverne and Shirley yeah, where the glove totally goes by and they're yeah, all really blue-collar jobs at the brewery. But one of the persons, dad was a marketing guy. And um, I got to go to a company employee picnic with families one summer of the olympic brewing company on black lake and that changed my life very cool um you go there i i remember there's hundreds of people i don't know how many it was but i just remember it was like 85 degrees on a july day on black lake which back in the 70s was beautiful still is but it was beautiful and i just remember the big old school picnic tables like there are national parks the big thick wood ones you know so they Uh cut it out of a tree two kegs sitting on top gravity taps wide open beers going to family dad's laughing and you don't see a lot of laughing sometimes in blue call you know it's hard it's hard living sure. but i just remember the dads and the moms Just happy and laughing and i remember the big uh, those old like horse trough uh stainless steel whatever they're made of mm-hmm. with uh shasta cola that's an old brand oh, yeah. in ice and kids are popping them and you're swimming out to this dock and Burgers are on the big old school half barrels, the barrels that are cut out, the big thick grill. Uh Burgers, hot dogs, and I was like, I want a piece of this. I don't know what this is, Mm -hmm. but I want to be a piece of it. And I fell in love, I think, with the culture of beer first. Mm -hmm. Around blue collar, I call it blue collar, very proud of that, just families who who keg beer every day or worked on the can line or bottling line. And then um, that led to a love of beer, and I knew in fifth grade what I was gonna do for the rest of my life, and it had something to do with beer. Wow. It's great. dead set I don't know what this is but I want a piece of it right cool. and so um, that's kind of how it started yeah and never look back right
0: on yeah huh. just just pivotal times well that is that's a great inspirational yeah. story I would say well in this the next question is a bit um, well it could be morose maybe but um, from your inspiration and just your values and who you are um uh, what is worth dying for? Or does anything hold, you know, hold enough weight that you would even say it's worth dying Absolutely. for? Absolutely. What do you think? Family,
1: worth dying for it easily. Yeah. Um, purpose, you know, with hope comes, to have hope, that's a big word, there has to be purpose, mm-hmm. there has to be mission, there has to be cause. I mean, you got to bleed for it. I mean, yeah. you, you got to feel it because it's one thing to say hope, but to fight for hope is a whole different thing. I agree. So I hang on to my grandmother. You know, my dad was one year old. They were living in a tent in Southwest Washington in the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, surviving by a food bank. And all these stories were very motivational to me because I get up every day and go, if I got a roof over my head, I got somebody who cares about me just a bit, right? And and the more they care about you, even the better. I can take. I can take on almost anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, my dad was a very tough guy. He, you know, he's a. He's just, you know, he worked in the woods and he played football. So. He ruled with a pretty firm hand, yeah. and he taught me that you don't quit. You just don't quit. You just. But my grandma taught me got to figure it out. My dad just told me to fight through things. But my grandma taught <clears> me <throat> to try to find some finesse. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, family's worth dying for. I think community is because community is my family, our family. Because you know, you have kids and I have kids. Community shapes your kids. Yes, it does. Right, your neighbor kids or what bus they get on or the store or who watches out for them who's the daycare who's the daycare provider who has an influence on your children from when they're born to when they're adults yeah that's worth fighting for that's what dying for because i want to instill in my kids there are things that are worth literally fighting for yeah. and if you are in that situation and you have that much hope and drive then you're not going to quit fighting until you die yeah and you don't give up and yeah. there's there's some rational in there too it's not literally just going out and picking brawls but sure. just that people have to know and feel that it is important mm-hmm. and through COVID I think that's what taught us this is a very hard week at the pub It started on Monday with two transformers going out by the brewery and we lost all power yeah. okay you could just quit and call it a, a, you know a day or you find out how to get that transformer fixed and we did yeah. then the next day the they're building that Gonzaga UW medical school and they hit a gas line so our gas goes out so you have no kitchen right because yeah. you don't and the borough house goes down and people were like, are you kidding me again? Let's just call it, close the pub for the day. Like, no, man, we don't close and we don't quit. What can we make without you know, this? And what's safe with the health board? And what can we do? We figured it out. And we made it through the four-hour outage. Mm-hmm. And it taught, I think, our culture that in life as well, you get evicted. Um, you can't make your bills. You know, I can be a little personal here, but forgive me, Mom. Crying on the couch at night, you'll make me tear up. Because I've never really talked about this, but... We had no money, you know, and that's hard, but um, I'm not in that situation because of uh, people before me, right? So there are people probably in our kitchen, in our brewery that might be close to that. Mm -hmm. So what is my obligation worth fighting for? To at least provide the opportunity and enough coaching to provide the opportunity that you get to choose, Yeah. right? Culturally, habitually, maybe if you weren't raised that way, you don't even understand what that means. Mm -hmm. It's easier just to quit. (laughs) So, what that taught us this, through COVID and, the, and a couple of days ago, these power outages, is to teach why we don't quit. If have to, we have to dump all the beer, we're not going to quit as we watch it dump. Yeah. We're going to fight through it, and then we'll learn through that. Mm-hmm. It's easier just to turn the lights off and go home. Where the lights are already off. It's easier yeah. to lock the door and go home, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So, I think the gift of, you know, I mean, I damn near drove to the Avista Vice President's house and sat in his yard and just said, you know, I'm sitting here until we turn the power on. Sure. And they were very gracious, and they eventually got somebody here that saved all the beer. Because you have so many hours and the power goes out with glycol, and it's, it's like a ticky, you know, oh, yeah. you're watching the chiller, yeah. and you're watching the tanks. And there's a certain place where you just, it's over. And, and we were able to easily save it before then. Awesome. And that's from not quitting. Yeah, There's a time when you feel mm-hmm. like just locking the door and just going, woe is me, right? Again, mm-hmm. my mom never did. I remember as a kid, just just her crying. But she never quit. And um, that's what's worth fighting for. Yeah. yeah. Character. And I know we all yeah. have those stories. Yeah. These aren't unique to me. They're all, yeah. everybody has their story. That's, you know, asking me what drives me. There's a lot of drive in that.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, you're exuding strong <clears throat> character and that, yeah. is, that is very inspirational and admirable. Yeah. No, Painful you. too. Uh, well, yeah. But, yeah. P- pain is part of life right yeah yeah it's what we what's what we do with it mm-hmm. it's like i i quote this I, I work at um at sacred heart too and i work with a in, in the psychiatric unit for the adolescents so yeah. we kind of talk about like these corny sayings basically but sure they're, but they're so valuable and what i was just thinking is like this magnet that i see at work and it just says Falling down is part of life. Mm-hmm. Living is getting up. Yeah, and, right. And, and that's that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And I love it. It like gives me chills thinking about it. So I appreciate everything yeah. you're saying. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, well, I, I love you. I mean, so far everything is just like <laughs> well, inspiration. Taking me down like that. an emotional trail yeah. here. <clears throat> well, and uh, so well, here comes Another one that okay. might even be hard. Uh, I'm gonna need therapy. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is therapy. I this didn't it. know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's actually a lot of
1: release of emotions coming out of COVID because you
0: kind of bottle them
1: up to get through.
0: For sure. And everybody's but, letting those loose now. But isn't that what is keeping us alive and building us up and being stronger and making us better people? Absolutely. Like everything is about learning and experience. And yeah, I love that you're just talking about it right now and being like, kind of, I don't know. The tail end of COVID, yeah, yeah, definitely we'll feels be better. better. So you know, it's yeah. like we can finally address these things, talk about it, and be real again instead of having to put on like our armor and you know tuck yeah. it out or whatever the heck we did or crumble. Yeah. What you know? Depending well, on you know, the our sales
1: team called on every draft account
0: through code. If they were opened
1: or closed, we made a commitment together. Like, we'll be yeah. safe, wear a mask. I think we were the only brewery. I, I'm almost positive, mm-hmm. probably in Washington at least and in Idaho. They kept their sales team calling on accounts, even if they closed. Just to say, "I'm here. Can we help?" Growlers, you know, for your beer to go. What can we do to be a help? I, I realize this is horrible, and just say, "I'm not looking for anything from you." Yeah, we're just here, yeah. and just know there's somebody who's here. Yeah. If it's just talking and having a cup of coffee, or I'll bring a six pack in. And we'll have a beer. Just, just know that we're here. And I think, awesome. I think that provided comfort to some level of comfort. To at least there was somebody else trying to. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, most. I think most breweries, most brewery reps, just stayed home, and they were, and 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 not, I'm not faulting that because it was probably direction from the top. We kind of sat down and said, let's stay engaged in the community. It's going to be rough. Nobody knew how long this was going to last. As it just kept going, we just kept going. Yeah. So, that's.
0: Dodge Perry weave right. Yeah. That's
1: all you can do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so. Okay. Do you feel in control of your life? And. I mean, whatever that means. And what Uh, holds you down? Or if anything holds you down. I think
1: COVID and, again, religion. And you have these debates and spirituality. I tend, as I get older, become more spiritual and less religious. Mm -hmm. Although religion, I was raised kind of, I call it a blue-collar Catholic kid. doesn't mean you went to church, but my grandma instilled the fear of God. And Mm -hmm. I knew, at least I thought I knew who God was, right? I knew what he did, you know, or she did. Um, So, no, I'm not controlling my life. Um, do I influence it? God, I hope so. Do my behavior shape it? Yeah. Um, I think COVID taught that you don't have control, but you have the ability to help guide. Yeah. Free will. Right. So I can control my free will <laughs> to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. And, um, like with my kids, you know, we, I do believe in God. I have a spiritual faith. Mm-hmm. I don't wear it on my sleeve all the time. And <laughs> I just, that's my grounding compass. Yeah. Um, yeah. My family's my grounding compass. The community's the grounding compass. I can't control what all those things happen, though. Right. And so yes and no. Yeah. I'd say free will, uh, make good choices, bad choices, directs that. Things are going to come at us every day. I'm learning as I get older that I just can't control.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, It's how I handle it. I don't always handle it the best, you know. It's the way I was raised. That's my excuse. But I'm trying to teach my kids to be better at it. And, um I'm not sure if that's the answer but it's kind of you know like I come here today and the power could go off Governor Inslee could institute new mandates Who knows? Um, yeah. something could go weird with a supply chain
0: yeah.
1: um, so I can't control that but I can influence by trying to stay as proactive anticipate and be in front of it and then after that sometimes when I go to sleep at night I'm just like I did everything I could do
0: yeah
1: that's all I can do and that letting that go is hard yeah. And my personality doesn't necessarily go that way easy. Sure. But that's where you get to a breaking point where you have to let go. You'll snap because you just can't control it.
0: And I, we've all been there. I totally. And Finances,
1: relationships, <laughs> children,
0: whatever. I, you know? I, again, I love your mentality and I, <laughs> appre- I appreciate that answer very much. Um, it's, it's so easy for... It's so easy to say no I'm in control of my life I'm in control of this I can do it because that's like for me anyway that's my natural inclination yeah. I feel like that I have I yeah. gotta be in control of this gotta yeah. Control- yeah. but in the reality which I think that you addressed is no I have to understand actually how little control I have and be aware of the things that I maybe do have control of Yeah, like you're, what you were saying your personal influence on things sure and But, but the reality is that there's so many things out of our control that we have to be aware of and have enough wisdom to decide what to fight for, what not to, what you, yeah. So, again... well, John, you're nailing the answer. So well, I don't know, but I mean, I, I
1: think scarcity <laughs> is a gift because it teaches you to be resourceful. Scarcity teaches you how much you don't have control over, mm-hmm. but it teaches you how you can influence to fill the scarcity needs you need. I don't yeah. know how to explain it other than that. Um, uh, COVID, the gifting COVID was there was scarcity, there was fear, there was lack of control. And, and you just took all the things you could do from scarcity to try to bundle up something that would create a better influence just to get you through. Sure. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, the older we get, the, the, it's it's humbling how much control we don't have, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. How much control I wish I was able to influence. Right. But, sure. But, you know. So you go to a pub and your beer's not on tap. Old school me, young guy, like, well, come on, man. You know. Yeah. The old, new school is, hmm. figure out why and then figure out how to fill the need. Yeah. And then sometimes it just doesn't work. No. i learned to walk away. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard one, too. Yeah. Just learning to walk away is a gift. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of us are raised that way.
0: Yeah. It's uh... a... <laughs> it's just the gift of acceptance really yes even if you don't like it i mean i talk again i I talk about this all the time yeah you have to accept things and and especially when you don't like them yeah and and that's where real life comes out that's where experience and wisdom goes forth right yeah Ah, awesome cool well that one didn't last that long. That, that, <laughs> okay, was, a, that was a very okay. sustained How we doing? Okay. Um, but, okay, well, so here here comes the incriminating going deep the potential. you deep on oh, Okay, yeah. oh, go yeah. for it. It gets even more so. <laughs> uh, so, this question. Yeah. You please don't say something that would be illegal or something. Sure. I'll just edit it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, have you, what have you done that is truly wrong? Or, can something be truly wrong?
1: You know, I mean, what I've learned in life is that we all come from a different background. Our influences are all so different. Yeah. Common sense, you know, especially in COVID, common sense is different to each person. It's not common. Yeah. I think all the racial strife and the unrest, um, I try to understand why, you know, there's extremes on both sides behave the way it is. And that's Mm -hmm. our social influences, how we were raised, scarcity. Yeah. Um, those who have, yeah, well, why are you acting that way? Those who don't, well, because I need that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I remember the protest downtown. We had a staff person that was protesting and there's gas shooting off. That was last July, uh, June, mm-hmm. June of 2020, right? Early June. We had the protests in Spokane, which were much lighter and less violent than most cities for Thankfully. sure. But one of our staff members got shot with a rubber bullet. Ooh. Hit her ankle. What would that feel like? Well, missed a week of work. Right? It was swollen up, couldn't walk on it. And, you know, first I'm mad about it. I'm like, God dang it, the police told you to move, right? Like, yeah. move. Like, I get protests. And I'm not even disagreeing that you protest. I'm just saying that you put yourself in harm's way mm-hmm. because they're shooting off tear your gas. You're not leaving. Who knows they would have busted out rubber bullets, right? I mean, right. in Spokane. Oh, but it happened. And you got shot. Luckily, it only hit your ankle, yeah, it didn't hit you in the head, your temple, your eye. So I was upset about that, and then, but I was also found after a day of going, okay, I don't know what caused that person to do that or behave in that way and not listening. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to go right or wrong. I mean, this is a lighter wrong, but I was mad about it. I was mad that you were down there and the city got torn up, and I agree with civil protests, peaceful, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you know. Yeah. Um, but I didn't agree with shop windows being broken to hurt people, did nothing, and tear their business down and trying to survive and um, I don't know if that's being right or wrong but I mean my mind I was feeling pretty wrong about that mm-hmm. and I expressed it and I apologized later and just said hey I, I you know I can't put myself in your shoes it's wrong that I judged you
0: yeah
1: it's wrong that I went to these places in my mind that was really mad um, and I I don't know what your influences were as a child or an adolescent or an adult right. that drove you to be there and then drove you to continue to protest continue to be in harm's way as tear gas is hitting you you know and your eyes hurt and then you get hit with a rubber bullet the good news is you're going to be okay right you know so that's a different right or wrong but i think the wrong in our mind sometime is passing judgment as we get older hopefully we get better at that understanding at least for me through covid was everybody comes at covid from a different place on how they were their influences mm-hmm. and it's hard to project that. Like, I find people trying to project into me what I'm thinking. It's like, you don't even know me. Right. You really don't know me. Or you wouldn't be projecting that into me, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Um, so that's probably not the maybe the answer, like, I'm not talking about crimes or something. But for me, that was a real learning curve of, uh, you know, what I do wrong. I mean, I'm learning better to try to be more understanding. Doesn't mean I have to be tolerant to some things. But try to be understanding why they're happening. Mm-hmm. And why did somebody, you know, to a smaller degree do something in the kitchen or in production that caused a big issue they didn't intentionally do that right? Yeah. nobody's going to intentionally do that but it was lack of judgment, lack of something yeah, true. and then I had to go back to the root of that and go okay or we do and how do we fix that how do we stop that from happening, how do we adjust now be more proactive so sure. it actually gets better yeah, yeah, versus losing my mind you know mm-hmm. and there were some real hardships early early days of no lie where we were dumping a lot of beer um, wow. because we tried not to ship anything that wasn't right. And mm-hmm. when you commit to that, it's painful. You have some real painful decisions at 2 a.m. when you come down and something's not right. You figure it out. It's like, we could probably ship it, probably get away with it. It's like, eh, no. Because once you, once you let your your fellow teammates in the brewery understand that's okay, it probably could happen more. You draw right. the line, there's a standard in place. Yeah, exactly. And we had to do that early on. And our standards probably weren't high enough early on because we just didn't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't know. And then the more you learn, the more awareness you get, the higher the standard becomes because you become more aware of what affects beer. I mean, when you're mobile canning, you don't know dissolved oxygen levels if you're not using an Anton Parr and Orbisphere to know that you might be putting 500 parts per billion in a can versus 40. Yeah, yeah. So you can't even put a standard in place not to ship it. But once you learn it's 500 and that's all the beer you have is those whatever pallet numbers or cases, and then you do ship it, Yeah, it's tough so, to dump it.
0: Yeah, yeah. To yeah.
1: legally dump beer, you have to get a liquor board approval. They do an allocation of, of exactly the inventory because it's tax, right? It's federal government, state taxes. Then you have to have a place. You send it on your own dime for freight to an independent party that ecologically treats it and removes it. It's expensive. You just don't put it down the drain to do it right. No, No, could you pay 12 people to dump out all that beer down the drain and water it down so it doesn't set off the buzzers and alarms? You could. Yeah. You know, but we've had to do that. I've had to send beer pre-approval to a place that treats it to get rid of it because it just didn't meet the standard of what we want
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you as a customer to have in a keg or a case. Sure, yeah. And so you know, our standards are continually getting higher because our awareness is continually getting higher because the lab work that we do continuously shows us where we need to be. And uh, when a power outage happens, now you're really watching the intricacies of that beer, even Mm -hmm. tighter. And the line of acceptance is getting tighter and tighter and tighter, you know, as that powers out. And you
0: know it. Mm -hmm. So you have so much time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway. Well, I I mean, I I would like to kind of crack that open even more because you're talking about real present time things where historically does your like those ethics the the right and wrong where does that how like what happened to you that made you think this way like how do where does your right and wrong come from
1: i I gotta think you know i try to sometimes why am i so steadfast on some things and i think it's, I would, I'd go back to my grandmother her influence on my dad my mm-hmm. dad was really strong why was he so strong Well, my grandmother was so strong mm-hmm. I don't want to leave my grandfather out because he worked his butt off But, and then my mother came from a very strong blue collar family and she had that work ethic and there was always a faith and I got to be careful because I know people listen to this and go whatever but hope comes with faith mm-hmm. I think at least sure. for me Sure. Yeah. so I have a deep faith and I mean I always show it but it's there right and yeah. there's that thing inside you that says right or wrong or yes or no and you know, if you're thinking rationally, right? COVID had it pretty kind of everywhere. So I think, you know, a lot of it comes from that place. And then I think a sense of scarcity as a child, if something broke, you didn't necessarily get a new one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you didn't eat dinner, there wasn't another meal. Somebody's going to go out to somewhere and get you food. Yeah. Right. If it wasn't in the canning closet uh, or cellar, if you will, <clears throat> you know, canning's what, you know, from the summertime, we canned a ton of everything. Sure. Um, that teaches you scarcity because what's in that, that cellar, if you will, is what is going to get you through the winter.
0: Yeah.
1: It's an allocation mode. Yeah, totally. Right? You don't mm-hmm. get to take 20 jars out and throw them around. Mm-hmm. That's different. It's not over in pizza, you know? So, I think scarcity and faith, which was hope, is probably the grounding mechanism. Um, being poor always scared me. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't like it. Um, sure. It, you know, talk about control. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it gives a lot of people control over you because you have to be asking all the time. Yeah. So I think that taught a lot of humility <laughs> when we go do service work or community work, do it with a great deal of um, humility because you're serving and you don't want the other person to feel like they're almost being served, right? Yeah. You do it just because, hey man, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And you're just in a rough patch. You know, we've all been there, yeah. um, and I think my parents and my grandparents received community giving in a very humble way. And I think you know what I remember in the small towns I grew up in was potlucks at a grange hall. I yeah. teach that to kids now, I know. and everybody brought what they could. And that's a sense of community. It's a sense of tight. a sense of weave. A sense of scarcity. Mm-hmm. You knew who could cook food. You knew who had money because you knew what they brought. Yeah. <clears throat> Nobody showed up with stakes. I can tell you that, right? So I think, I don't know, that's a long answer to your short question, which I'm finding myself doing, but I think it's uh, really teaching of scarcity, faith, hope, um, love of community, because that's how my family survived, which digs us so deep in what we do is no lie. I I feel a huge sense of obligation and debt to get back. That's my mental thing I deal with, but I feel a huge sense of, <clears throat> not always is it the right thing to do, it's what I'm here to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And for Noah, we have a brewery, and sometimes we joke around we're a nonprofit with a brewery arm. <clears throat> and I, I say that very lightly. But we exist because we do that. Yeah. And I hope, you know, that that energy comes back to us and it'll make it even better. If I pray at night, I pray that take this thing and make it bigger than it is in the community to do great work. Yeah. What is great work? I'm not even sure, right? Because we're all human. We just stumble through it. Mm-hmm. But I do know it can come to us, right? Yeah. So, you, you gotta be open to the collaborations to keep tying together, and it keeps leading you places. Some doors open, some doors short, shut. And I'm learning. As I get older. Really try to be more in the moment of. My wife teaches me this. Cindy is the doors opening, the doors closing. Just try to be aware of them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and we all have it in life, right? But we're so busy we can't see it. And um, I don't know. It's probably more than you want, but. No. That's kind of where I'm at. To make this brewery 10 years here at Knoll I'm worth it, it's got to be more than making beer. Yeah. Um, it's got to be bigger. It just takes too much time. Mm-hmm. The, the, the drain of, of emotionally out of your soul sometimes to make this work, especially through COVID, there has to be a higher purpose of, of what you want it to do. Yeah. So I don't look at it as a business, really. I do, but I don't. I mean, financially, you got you got to pay your bills, right? You got to take care of people. We want to have full benefits, which we do. We want to pay the highest in America for a brewery our size and larger, which we do. That starts at home. That's my our home. And then if you take care of all those things, then you can go into the community and try to do the same building. Right. Um, that's I think what we're trying to do. Great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that sounds like. What would be right to me? (laughs) Right, and I guess that's what you try. We don't always—we're not perfect. We're all flawed, but I do
1: think that's our intention.
0: Sure. Yeah. I know that's our intention. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're right on. I. I, You're you're very motivational. It's Pretty (laughs) awesome. I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying your answers. Cool. Um, okay. Well, this one is wordy. Okay. And um, it has to do with. Humanity as a whole. Yeah. So, um, what is your opinion about the natural hierarchical order in reference to humanity? What do you think about hierarchy in humans and how? how to fellow it... species,
1: you mean? Or, <clears throat> um,
0: Well, yeah. Just at us as people, like what? Because this, this question can go obviously in lots of Keep talking. different directions. Keep going. I've
1: got an answer for you. Yeah. Keep going.
0: But, Um, I mean so essentially when I thought about this question I was thinking about just the 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 trend of our society as a whole yep Um, where did these hierarchical views come from how are people thinking you know um, well the the term like the the patriarchy or um, where with with like Black Lives Matter, um, mm-hmm. you, you can go any direction, you know, I'm just talking to, yeah, but in reference to humanity, like natural hierarchy, is it a thing, is it not a thing, are we, is it, is it cultural relativism that causes us to believe that certain things are in a hierarchy, or are they not at all, and we're, it's all perceived, right, so what is your opinion about all of that stuff that I was just saying, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sitting here getting uh,
1: a, <laughs> So, you know, I watched the show Rewild the Wild, and I don't want to get this name wrong. I believe it's Sir David Attenborough. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? Is that right? Yeah. I just want to get the name right.
0: Man, he's something. He's <clears throat> something
1: else. Like, he started, if I get this right, correct me too. I need to read more on it, but... Like he said, he's he's still alive. But he's in his late nineties, right? Yeah. And he's bringing the environmentalism, what he's seen since as a young. I think he was a broadcaster. He was in media, but he got to go cover the
0: world in I, I, the fifties. I no, I saw some of the stuff he did with the where he was in the boat with all the whale poachers, and he's like. Stop killing the whales. Yeah, and, but, but he got the thing. Is
1: fascinating. He has like black and white footage and stuff of yeah. uh, the fifties and what the environments looked like around the world, from coral reefs to wildlife to forests. a yeah, yeah. number of species, yeah. right? And the number of them being extinct more and more and more. And not environmentalist, not natu- not natu- uh, <laughs> any depth. But I remember sitting on the river here during COVID in Spokane, Noli, and seeing a crane. And seeing fish jump and seeing like the wild in that river come back with no cars and no commotion everybody inside i remember just sitting on the bank one morning because it was kind of gloom COVID, in the summer and what would happen in 100 years you know um the little marmots are back on the bank now i mean just in that little bit of period of calmness and humans not pushing it out it came back in that quick There's this thing on Chernobyl as well. I'm a little bit off topic here. But, you know, Chernobyl from the accident. Nobody can live around it. And all the animals that are back in Chernobyl, just big deer, elk, wolves. I mean, it's crazy. In a fairly short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So our existence is, you know, humans are destructive. Humans are the dominant species. We're taming the world to feed ourselves cows chickens sure. pigs right yeah biggest yeah. species on the planet and some birds you know so did <laughs> god intend for that ah you know that's so beyond my bandwidth that um i've learned that i can't change a lot i can be a contributor you know like there's a little drop and then it kind of waves out <laughs> I, I have to believe in a higher power or some debi- divine intervention mm-hmm. of why we're here I, it scares me if I didn't feel that way how senseless it could be mm-hmm. and my point of time on this planet of a billion years or how long it's been here is pff, I'm lucky 80 years right? right And the big span of time 200 years you look back. who's that what and I like yeah. see so it could be kind of senseless yeah, like, yeah why do I live like and It gets kind of deep. You think about during COVID. I get maybe, maybe 80 years. Maybe. And how much of that is healthy? Yeah. Um, And what's your contribution? So is my job just to suck up as much resources as I can? Energy, emotion, consumables, people, whatever. Or to enjoy it. Does it truly mean giving back? Does it truly mean engaging? Does it truly mean caring? I get more fulfillment from that. Mm -hmm. So if there is no... Divine intervention, then at least for my time here, I want to try to enjoy it more. Love is the wrong word, fulfillment, be around people that care about you. As I get older, that's really important to me. I don't know if that's the right, I don't kind of where to go with the answer on that, but we're here a very short amount of time in the whole span of things, so how do we want to live it? You know, I'm 55, so I don't got a lot, right? There's less ahead of me than there's been behind me. And knowing that with lie no that you know my kids are grown now, and um, you know, I don't know. You know, you, you look forward and go, how do I put all these things I was taught by my grandmother and my father and my mom, and and put them into play to pass it on to my kids? Mm-hmm. Um, can it be a positive influence in the community so it can continue going when we're gone of some relevancy? You know. And I think with Spokane now regrowing and this rebirth of the city, maybe we can make a positive impact and the next generation of Spokane makes it even a stronger city, a cooler city, and a different city. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nice without neglecting my family, which is easy to do as an entrepreneur and a small business owner.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and having kids, you know. I mean,
0: Mm -hmm. a lot of things pulling at you. Right. Um, Well, well, I mean, just let's talk Spokane specifically then like um, about hierarchy in in Spokane yeah do you think I mean do you you believe that like the political hierarchy or I mean it it seems seems more that you are talking about people on the ground more than anything else yeah so I mean how do you how do you view and I know that in our political climate and Spokane being or not Spokane Washington being one of the more liberal states Inslee doing things that we're many of us where people think he's crazy we didn't know what to think was he doing the right thing you know so what about like political hierarchy how do you think do you do you have like do you have a a sense that that's not really going to matter or do you think Spokane will always just lean in a certain direction or do you I mean because well like right in front of us right now we're kind of we're in the the university district all of this so when in those kinds of situations where like we're hearing this construction outside which is going to be expanding Gonzaga Washington State Eastern Washington University all of these things which bring in I mean college colleges tend to be more liberal like what I, yeah. I, so po- well i mean you look at the, the mayoral
1: election right we just had I think oh, yeah. it was decided by 600 votes yeah right and you could see the climate of spokane is going if you want to label things left right liberal conservative definitely more left right yeah. especially yeah. as more people move here from other cities like seattle that influence will come in mm-hmm. and much like colorado where we live for nearly 10 years it began to split where the rural areas, more eastern Colorado, were much more conservative. Yeah. And the i uh, the corridor, the freeway corridor, Boulder, Denver, even Fort Collins became much more uh, liberal, if you will, or left, yes. whatever, however you want to frame it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. CNN and Fox News. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Um, and and Spokane will reflect Seattle eventually as it mm-hmm. moves in, but a little different because it's a, it's a different place here. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little different spirited. But just watching that mayoral election, you can see how things have changed in Spokane, maybe from fifty years ago, right? For sure. Um, you know, it's funny. My older brother ran for governor against Jay Inslee and lost, and no he kidding? won nearly every county but King and Snohomish. It oh. shows you the demographics. But King County, you know, that's two hundred thousand votes, and so it's interesting because he's labeled a Republican, but he really isn't, you mm-hmm. know. R's and D's have changed over the last 50 years. He, and you know, his platform, will, right? it's funny, you know, his platform, and it's very much influenced by my grandmother and my parents was, you know, taking care of your community. And part of that's mental health, homelessness mm-hmm. were his foundations of his platform as labeled a Republican. Mm-hmm. His platform was about getting, you know, institutions to help people with mental health up and running, um, reinvigorated finance, mm-hmm. you know, pay well to get good help of expert experts. Yeah. Right. Versus throwing people on the street. It was about making sure food scarcity was taken care of. It was about you know these things that would be considered very left or liberal. Mm-hmm. He's a huge environmentalist. He's been one of the leading voices in the Snoqualmie River Valley to preserve it mm-hmm. for a couple decades. And the Snoqualmie um, Valley now, and um, kind of by Olympia and Tacoma between them. So in the last big like I want to call them estuaries or natural li- wildlife habitats on the west coast. So this is a guy who's labeled a Republican. So you picked the wrong R, a letter, man. And, and this isn't for against Jay Lee or any Democrats or Republicans because I have a great deal of respect for Andy Billig and Tim Ormsby. He's really great with the budget. And yeah. Marcus Riccielli just brilliantly leads from the front. You know? yeah. so my politics kind of runs down the middle. I need to be financially healthy so I can give back. Mm-hmm. And then i got to be, if I'm labeled left, to go give back.
0: Right,
1: um, One doesn't work without the other. Because if you can't pay your bills, you can't give it away. Or you're putting on your credit card, and then eventually, you're upside down too. Yeah, it's all this. Is, it's two yeah. sides of
0: one coin, right? Yeah, We're all part of the same thing. And yeah. why are we have? Why do we have to polarize everything? And,
1: and I'm with you. And that's what tears me apart. And because we run a pub, and I'm with people every day, because I'm in a kitchen, which typically is some of your poor employees, if you will, mm-hmm. economically. I feel it. I'm in it, and mm-hmm. I, I care for them, and I'm involved in them. right? Right. Right. You, you can't just be labeled, I'm a business owner, Republican, big, wealthy wh- you know, guy who's white, whatever, right? right? Right, And I just say that because those are all the things that would be stereotyping, sure. put, put upon you. Yeah. It's no, man. This, this brewery and production, um, our servers, our kitchen, our sales team reflect our community of all ethnicities, walks of life, social environment, upbringings. I mean, it's a love of people, love of community that reflects our company employee base as it should is a reflection of who lives here. Yeah, and we're conscious of that as well, and we work to keep it very healthy. Um, so back to you know politics. You know, if we run debts continuously, at some point somebody has to answer for it.
0: Yeah.
1: And at that point, that what scares me is then we can't care for people if we're financially burdened. Mm-hmm. That scares me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if we can stay healthy as a government, and healthy as private business, and healthy as a community, then we can give back and help people.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, like you said, it's two sides of the same coin. There's so much polarization. It saddens me. I see it in the pub and customers that come in. Of course. And you feel it, right? (laughs) Me too. I mean, people sometimes, and excuse me on the podcast, it's like we're all bears coming out of hibernation. Mm -hmm. And we've been in this cave for whatever, sleeping for 14 months to a certain degree. Now we're back out again all together at the same time. And we're all trying to readjust to the sunlight and and trying to find food to nourishment. and, And we all have different degrees of patience and everything. And I think it's going to take another year to let everybody get out of their hibernation to come out, look around, and interact together. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping through all that quietness we faced and trauma, really, and, you know, being tested all mentally Mm-hmm. Changing so dramatically. I mean, have you ever watched so much stuff on Netflix or you know, like how many shows? You know, know. to then to be more active and yeah. you know, you see the Amazons and the uh, the WalMarts and all the online business just go through the roof. It scares me as the brick and mortar small businesses in every community really got hurt. You Big know, time. hugely. Yeah. The little pubs, you know, and so all those things we're going to have to come to grips with. But as a political I really hope that people can find their common purpose, common mission, common hope, common outcome to work towards things versus block them or criticize. And that's asking a lot of humanity. It is. (laughs) It's asking a lot. lot.
0: But is it really? Because isn't that how we're supposed to be? Yeah. Like, we shouldn't even have to ask these things. This this should be part of, like, how we live our life. I, I, I believe when my
1: brother ran for, ran for governor, was labeled an R. He he found himself torn by people wanting to go a certain direction. It's not what he felt or believed. I mean, he really had a mental health, homelessness, you know, all these social issue platform. And yeah. that's not a standard Republican platform,
0: no,
1: right? And he yeah. should have been a Democrat. I was like, he should have been because he is one. I mean, sorry, Bill. All but... Right. Um, but he is physically responsible, just, you know, I mean, or just an I, you know, independent. An I. You know, yes, thank and, you. But I do think, you know, with Governor Inslee, not to get too political, he's done a lot of great things, done a lot of things that's challenged us. Um, I just want Washington State to be a healthy place for people, and I don't care, honestly, what what letters uh, politically identified I, R, or D. We shouldn't have any letters. Right? Yeah. yeah. it's it's um, It should be the best person with the best policy. So yeah. I've learned through all this is – are you Republican Democrat I'm like I vote on policy because both sides have some good policies both sides have bad policies right mm-hmm. let's vote on policy because policy shapes who we're gonna be as a community I'm more interested in what your policy is on specific things that are gonna help move us in the right direction
0: yeah.
1: I'm more interested in that yeah. um, the homeless issue in Spokane and mental health and trauma Cindy my wife is a casa my daughter's a casa Child advocate in the courts. Mm-hmm. So she deals with kids in foster care or not who are in really bad situations. And COVID really hurt people because the home visits primarily went away. Yeah, Kids got stuck in really bad situations for over a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Couldn't get them out.
0: Yeah. Is I mean... that good policy? I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe we should have tried harder and, and created <clears throat> some ways to get those children in places that were safer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learned, you know, looking back in the mirror, it's easy to pass judgment on that. But, um, so I'm more concerned, you know, like Cindy working in the courts and now my daughter really proud of her for doing that is, that is so humbling. I mean, to what children go through and then become adults. And then we wonder why we behave the way we do. Right. Come on. I mean, come on. We've inflicted horrible things on these kids. How do we show as a community how to care and love to at least give this, Children who are going to be adults, and then are they on the street? Mm-hmm. Are they
0: in school? Do They're, they have a job? Can they yeah. function? They're going to be running this joint. We got yeah. to yeah, get them on the right. If you don't want homelessness, people. then we have to figure
1: out what the causes, the true
0: root, true
1: root causes are, and go backwards and try to amend the next. Maybe it might be two decades of just this sobering work mm-hmm. to change twenty years of Now in politics. That's hard to have that consistency of a policy.
0: Yeah.
1: So. That's deeper than, you know, you might want. But I, all I can influence is how we operate as a kitchen, uh, servers, bus people, food <laughs> runners, salespeople, admin, brewer, seller. And what's always been important to us before we had the money to do it was to have benefits. Mm-hmm. And so we have de- dental, vision, medical 401k. Um, if you work 30 hours more a week here, 60 days, you can get all the benefits you contribute a little bit. I believe it's important to contribute so you appreciate it. It's yeah. not just there, you can take or not or abuse it, whatever. You put a little skin in the game. Yeah. Hey, it's important. You're dedicated. After a year, you can be in the 401k and we match up to a certain percent. Yeah. Um, I, I do believe the culinary in our kitchen, I do believe we can pay above living wages. I do believe that everybody in that kitchen who works 30 hours, if we can create wealth or a financial black on the, you know, black and red, you know, red yeah. losing money, black making money on a financial. That we can give that back to then reinvest into our own people as I'm asking the government to do in their community. Yeah. If I don't get benefits, I don't think I have a voice telling, asking our government to do the same. Correct. I have to live that. Yeah. And it's painful because that means that money, right, we're choosing to allocate it to here mm-hmm. versus here and here and here. Yeah. That's policy. So I can make my own policy with our staff to affect how NOLI operates within itself and then how it goes outside after that's taken care of to help me in the in outer. and that's so i have to just take care of what i can
0: yeah you exactly. know
1: i find myself if you vote i mean i'm all over the place sometimes it looks like a tetris board you know I'm not, I'm not just going by letter yeah i'm going by what i think i think the best policy would be um it's a little deep but
0: you know no, that's exactly. That's what it should be.
1: Have the best candidates who, but then you got to find people who want to do that, right? right. I like Roccelli Marcus Roccelli He's a Democrat, right? Because yeah. he lives his word. I mean, he. I went to high school with him. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I don't know Marcus that well, but I know every time I call him, he picks up the phone. And I know every time I ask to go raise money to help get something for somebody who needs it, he finds a way to find it. Yes. And he helped do Spokane Food Fire. So I look at a guy who lives at least from every... Again, I don't know Marcus that well. I do know that the good I see works, right? <laughs> and, you know, you, you could probably say that on the other side with some R's too, you know? they yeah. And so can't we just all get along kind of thing? <laughs> And, and I hope society gets to that place where we all just get so fed up. We're like, let's just try to do better. Yeah. You know,
0: that would be awesome, right? Would be awesome. That would be awesome. It would be ideal. I'll dream of that. Oh, yeah. Well, last question. Okay, let's do yeah. it. And it's, it's a little lighthearted, but it, yeah. might, it might weigh on you as well. <laughs> yeah, man, I might like to go <laughs> lay down after this, man. <laughs> well. Yes. Um, <clears throat> what is your theme song?
1: Oh, that's so funny. I have a few. Really? Oh awesome. my God. People will laugh because I'll text this song to them all. There's a few. Oh, well, There's
0: that's two. Good. That's good. That's did so get, funny because that was two? hope.
1: So, early in the early days of Noah, you know, when we came out of the Bayou, which was here with a 30 barrel brew green. house, the Northern Lights, with yeah. the and then yeah. you get a 30 barrel brew house, that means that's 60 kegs yeah, yeah. or the equivalent of 400 yeah. cases of brew. Mm-hmm. So, you brew, you got to move that much beer. And if you want to have creativity, you got to move it a bunch of times to keep, keep the brew house going. Otherwise, as you know, younger brewers find out, let's say you have a 10-barrel system. You brew 10 barrels of beer. You have 10 barrels of beer. Yeah. And you want it fresh. So I'd get in my car and my wife and kids. And i feel horrible. i missed miss probably five years of my life. But I would get up at 3.30 to 4 a.m., a couple days a week, just for this project. And I would drive to Seattle. I'd sell beer till 7 p.m. And I'd drive home. Or 8 p.m. And get home Jeez. at 1 and that's how we built the brewery in Western Washington. Oh, I had no idea. So I'd have a route, and I'd do it two days a week. And wow. um, I'd take point-of-sale materials, sales meetings, and hit all the bars in Seattle or grocery store buyers. Mm-hmm. And that's how we built the brand.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we would do what we call hand sales in grocery stores, and we would do 28 of them a week. And we figured we met 20,000 people in Spokane personally in a few months. Where's that goes? You get really tired, and so I find myself playing mind games driving to Seattle at 4 a.m. And the one is Bon Jovi, on a steel horse I ride.
0: Oh no, no, kidding! On a cowboy, dead, you know that dead one, or alive. dead or
1: alive, right? And so I'd be, I'd wait till 5 a.m. to start texting people, but I'd have the song, you know, you could yeah. eat it, and I'd send it to people. And I know, regardless if you like Bon Jovi or not, it just resonated on a steel horse I ride. Yeah, in that car driving one town to the next you know you don't know which day it is that resonated and there's an acdc song i'm a kid in the 70s and 80s yes. you know which it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll <laughs> and if you listen awesome. to those words man highways yes. byways next town next gig broken jaw you know yeah. back at it broke and you just its a long way to the top of that song teaches me it's acdc i don't think the lyrics were meant for that <laughs> But it's about it, it's hard. Yeah. And it's a long way. And ain't, there ain't no instant whatever. Yeah. And then I get on my steel horse and I ride. And, and I just took those two songs. And when I hear them on the radio or I hear them on whatever, I'm like, damn, we've come a long way, but we got a ways to go. And people who really know me will laugh because they know I'll shoot them ACDC, it's a long way to the top. Or Bon Jovi, dead or alive. And they just laugh. Uh, good childhood friends in seventh grade as a pilot he was in the military flew mm-hmm. and and uh out, he's up all the time he's a pilot and i said to him he's last he's like dude stay at it man don't quit don't quit we're both from the same small rural town the same same a lot of same background and he's a fighter man he, he flew in um uh bosnia serbia conflict iraq one wow. a fighter pilot we have his pedo tube off his t-38 training um uh, in the pub oh, it's like awesome. if you've seen top gun with maverick and iceman they're flying those are t38s they're mm-hmm. fighting that's what he flew wow. and trained he was a he was the trainer guy so he was the guy above maverick and iceman yeah. that was oh, him yeah. that was my buddy keith Getz, uh lieutenant colonel lieutenant colonel keith Holy Getz. Smokes. and um you know that he did not you know <clears throat> he got there because he was smart worked yeah. hard studied his ass off but he did not come from the background to be a fighter pilot mm. but that's what made him a fighter pilot Cool. Got an education.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Um, learned to fly. Now he's a pilot for United. But he worked at it. Nobody gave it to him. He had no connections. He had nothing. He had no no connections. He worked hard in school. Worked really hard in school. And um, got a break. Fair enough. Got a break. So more than you care but it's definitely dead or alive or it's a long way to the top Uh, and they're both like you know you can laugh at the lyrics i get it i get it man Uh, i love it but
0: i hear those i'm ready to go yeah Um, yeah well that is perfect yeah well that's it man all right man thank you so much thank you man i appreciate it such a pleasure uh tap house the last thing i would like
1: to say is that when we are putting the business model together in Mm -hmm. uh December 2011 into January 12, it was a big snowy uh, season in Spokane. It seemed like we would just get like six foot hits all the time. Yeah. And I remember sitting at the Manitou Tap House, you know, really set the course, uh, Patrick and the whole team and yourself for craft beer in Spokane, um, drawing up the business model and napkins and meeting a friend for beer and asking him questions and the you know the variety of beers that you had were off the charts Mm in the west coast in Washington and it was inspirational and so it has a special place in my heart sitting at the window there watching the snow come down it's kind of enchanting there yeah you know and then and just thinking and writing and and drew a lot from that awesome very thankful for it so well
0: uh, we're very thankful for you yeah so all right thank you cheers yeah awesome
1: cool thanks bud